Hi, guys, and welcome back to Motor Up Sports. We're making up Friday's episode tonight for a Pistons special. We're here with our own Markosian. Thanks for coming back. We're having a great episode today, more of a debate-style communication, communication-type episode. So I'm real excited to try something else tonight. So without further ado, I want to start with the quick question of who should have the ball predominantly in their hands, Cade or Ivy? So to start, I personally think uh, Cade Cunningham should be the prominent ball handler. You know, he could be – he doesn't have to be the point guard per se, but just the way he's able to control the game. That rookie year alone, you could see the step that everyone took. It was sort of a uh, LeBron James kind of uh, – or even like a Luka kind of like chemistry effect he had. I think he would be phenomenal bringing it up. You know, we use his tempo. Ivy's good too, but Cade's, Cade's the man for it. Ivy's tempo, man. You got to run the floor like it's nothing else. Look, if he can have more control, he could be probably one of the best guys in transition in, in the NBA. I want that guy with the ball in his hand every second of the game. And there's nothing against Kate having the ball in his hands. I think Kate is probably the best, one, one of the, going to be one of the best guys with the balls in his hands, too. But we have two guys, we're blessed, I think, to have two guys that you can say, I want him taking up the, the ball up the court with the game on the line. I want him taking it up. I think there's so much you can do with both of them. But with Ivy, it's the fact that you're looking at John Morant. He's going to make everybody around him look even better than Cade's going to make everybody look. And we saw how good Cade made some players look last year. I just think it's – I'd rather have John Morant take it up than a slightly less Luka. That's just my – how the, the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I do see – perspective you're saying with it definitely like that fast tempo for sure it's you know what's what the direction of the league's going in but like the thing is this guy is such a high caliber like so like that John Moran he has all that energy that Russell Westbrook and you know that bulldog mm-hmm. we would have to get our other players to get up to that tempo with it and like you know they're all young they're athletic I'm sure they could they probably could keep up but like and a full like 81 82 game season that's gonna be like tiring for these guys you know constantly like i feel like if ivy were to bring it up we're gonna have some seven second offense some steve nash with it you know maybe not all the threes whatnot but like us taking it in for sure with Cade though this guy could like you know everyone could do their thing basically Cade could bring it up sadiq could go get open or something ivy could cut to the rim you'll do this that you know we could post up with you know money bagley or uh even isaiah stewart whoever we're starting at this point in time Cade is just really um like i feel like he really controls the game. If he wants to speed it up too, he can. We've seen that. You know, this guy will bring the ball up deep. Think he'll hit the three. You know, he'll do all that right off the bat. I just think Cade is the uh, – he seems more mature, more like – more of a leader than Ivy. At this initial stage, I mean, we haven't seen Ivy yet in his full integrity. So, you know, it's good to keep an open mind with that if you're Troy Weber or um, Dwayne Casey or something. So I like how you said Kate's a more mature player. And I, I agree with that right now. But when we're looking three, four years down the road, I think Ivy has so much potential if he just matures into what looks like a he will be probably one of the best point guards in the league if he turns into a more mature John Morant. Right now he's just, I'm going to jump on you. I'm going to try to do everything I can to bang on your head, which is what Ja kind of entered the league as. I'm just going to bang on you. And it works for Ja. It's definitely going to work for Ivy. Now, if Ivy can develop a solid three ball, 
I'm not talking about you need a curry jumper. I'm talking about a guy like Kyle Lowry, just going to hit your threes consistently if you're open, hit a few contested. That's all you really need to ask for out of Ivy. If Ivy can piece that all together, he's your floor general. Cade's just another guy who's going to take it up. I see Cade Moore playing a role of a point forward later down in his career. I think that I'm going to get to this later, but I think that the Pistons might want to look at drafting if they're in the top spot, getting scoop if they're at one or two. And that's a question I'll get to actually right now. Um, If the Pistons are drafting at one or two next year, are you trading the pick for a superstar or drafting Victor, scoot and rolling with it and see what happens? I'll let you go first. Thank you. So if we end up in some sort of upper lottery, let's say top five, top six, anywhere over there, I say the Pistons, we just, well, we overpay. We Brooklyn Nets it, man. Go for that number one pick. This kid, Victor, 7374, he's a unicorn. We talked about this last time. He's right. a unicorn. He's like, he would be that missing piece. Like, we could sure get these combo players, these these point forwards, these, these, these slashing guards, whatever it is, you know, different players. Victor, though, he will be the guy. We have a lot of money to spend. We have a lot to work with. We have a lot to give up, too whether they're young or vets, win now and later. Anything, whoever gets this number one pick, I don't think we're going to get it. There's no way we can pull it off. No, the league won't even let it if we're the worst team too. No way. But with that, like, we could give so much. We could even give cash considerations. We're going to have, what, 80-something million next year once all our vets are done? Yeah, 60. Yeah, 60 with it. We're going to have so much. So I say – we overpay for Victor because we have a lot to give. We shouldn't be like we shouldn't be greedy. We should, you know, sharing is caring, all that good stuff. Let's get ours. We can give them theirs. I think that's what we should do. Trade up with it. Okay, so I think you're sitting at one or two. You have to sit there and you have to take the pick, whether it's Victor or Scoot. And if it's Scoot, you have to find a way to make it work with Ivy and Cade, and that probably means making Cade into a point forward. Now there could be a lot of issues having three guards point guards taking it up we'll see but i think if you're sitting like you said back at five or six i'm on the flip side of you i think you go all in on a superstar all in i think this is the year that you spend it was a three-year plan from day one i felt like that it was like year one we're just going to go over and draft as many players as we can see what happens see see what works we saw killian didn't really work sadiq looks like a long-term piece Maybe he's a piece that we can flip for a superstar and a potential trade at some point. We'll see. I think he's more towards the long-term piece end, but I think right now he's a guy who's going to be on the roster next year. And I think that Stewart, we'll see what his role is, but it looks like he's a guy who will be in the league at least for a, a very long time. Don't know what his role with the Pistons will be yet. That's another actually question we'll get to later in the episode. But I felt like the first draft was like, we're just going to get rid of the entire thing that Van Gundy built, and we're just going to tear it apart. And he did that. You got rid of Blake. You got rid of everybody from those rosters, Drummond. And you slowly saw everybody leave. And I think year two was, okay, we got very lucky and we got kicked. Because that's not going to happen every year. It's very, very rare that a team gets a number one pick. And the, that was the first time the Pistons did. I don't think that was ever part of the plan to get the number one pick. Year three is this year was, let's just see where we're at. Year four is when we're going to buy. 
now you're at year four. The free agency class is probably one of the weakest I've ever seen. Andrew Wiggins is the top guy. He's going back to Golden State, and if he doesn't, I'd throw every single penny at him if I'm the Pistons because he's another guy I think that you would need to win a title potentially down the road. It's a weak free agency class. That picks your top thing to trade. One or two, you go in there, you draft Victor, you draft Scoop. No questions asked. You are running to that pony home. Unless you get some ridiculous trade off that you can't resist, you draft there. I think that if you're sitting at five or six, a guy that I would honestly throw a lot at would be Jimmy Butler. And I would just throw a massive package that like the Heat would literally sit there and have no choice but to take. And like you said, you have to overpay this offseason. That's something that has to be done. You have 60 mil, you have money to play with. Just don't overpay on the wrong players. We don't need another Charlie Villanueva of a Ben Gordon. We don't need another Josh Smith, Brandon Jennings. Because we are so close. I think we're this close to being such a good team. And I think that Scooter Victor would you have to make it work. I, I don't know what you would do. It would be a dream to have either of them. Both of them are probably Hall of Fame players. You, you see it right now. Scoot goes number one in any draft. Victor goes number one in any draft in history. So I think that the long-term plan was year four was when the money was going to be spent. We dumped all the contracts. We have nobody on the books right now. You have, you have to pay Cade is the first thing you have to do. And you have to pay Sadiq. But then you have money to throw at trading for players. Maybe a guy you can take a look at I want to hear what your thoughts are. Donovan Mitchell, how would he fit the Pistons? Because I think athletically it would be absurd seeing Donovan, Cade, and Ivy on the floor together. What's your thoughts on Donovan Mitchell potentially getting a peek at if they lower their asking price? Donnie, I love me some Donnie. We were originally going to draft him. We were supposed to. We thought he was going to come over here. We ended up getting Luke Kennard instead. Ah, you know, like whatever. We have Cade now and Sadiq, all these boys. I'm happy, whatever happens. If we could bring Donovan Mitchell in, I feel like he'll unlock a new dynamic to this whole team, uh, athleticism-wise, and just as like a leader too. If anything, he's gonna be, he's gonna be a vet on this team when he comes over here, and he's mad young. He's not even. I don't think he's below twenty-five, right? Twenty-four, whatever he is. Um, with that, like, like Jaden Ivy, he's been learning from John Moran, Russell Westbrook. He's been putting these posts, so that athleticism, that dog in him, he's learning from there. Donovan's a much better shooter, and just like. He's a facilitator, too. You know, he's a guy who gets you 25, 30 points with five rebounds, five assists in this stage of his career. He would be pretty good if we come. The one thing, though, with it is that we're going to have a very – like it's going to be a small lineup, you know. Right. Like, like Ivy's, what, like 6'4". Donovan is 6'1", without shoes on. And, I mean, he has, sure, he has what, damn near seven-foot wingspan with it. So, you know, he could, he could definitely, like uh, – size in that way but it's going to be small and then uh, Cato would have to play that uh, point forward position as you were saying he's going to be the modern day Grant Hill in a way in this sort of offense you know Grant Hill with a jumper the issue is though Sadiq Bay he did do it last year he was running that power forward because like, I think Sadiq's gonna have to start Sadiq is that guy 51 points Orlando's not the best team but you know you can't drop 51 like that you know no um, not at all I think he should 
Like that would be the issue. If these guys can learn to play bigger than what they are and just get stronger, you know, hit the gym as it goes, uh, that could be possible. You know, Donovan Mitchell, like that would be a curveball too. No one would really know how to deal with this team. There's so many different aspects and dynamics. Like, oh my God, you know, it's, I, I think it could be a good idea if we do pull it off, but really risky. Right. I don't personally think we should, but yeah, I mean, that's how it is. Okay, so here's my opinion on Donovan. You would likely have to give up Sadiq in the trade. I would assume it would be like Sadiq in your pick and probably like Killian would have to be thrown in there, would be my guess. You you would have to overpay because I assume that like they're not getting seven first round picks for him. That market, that was the luckiest trade for a Gobert ever. And it was just a slight build up. Like it felt like every year that a new trade was going to just make the bubble burst. And I think Gobert's just going to burst it completely mm-hmm. where KD, we just saw, can't even get moved because Gobert screwed the market so hard. Right. So that's where I think Donovan Mitchell will be the player that resets the market for you. Danny Ainge won't be able to pull it off twice. That's why I think that honestly, whoever gets Donovan Mitchell might honestly underpay for him. And I think that's an underpayment for Donovan. If you're training Sadiq, Killian and maybe a first. I don't know. I think that Donovan could be a weird piece on this team that just adds more athleticism to it. And I think that he could probably play the three with the wingspan he had, like you said. He can guard a two, he can guard a three. Kate can guard all three. And I think the league's just more and more positionless than it's ever been. So Kate at six six can probably guard a three. He's athletic enough too. I mean, tell him to guard LeBron James, and you're like, you can't do it. But, you know, tell him to go guard a guy like Harrison Barnes. I can stick him up against him and have no issue with it. Mm-hmm. Stick him up against Miles Bridges. I have no issue with Kate on Bridges, to be real with you. Like, there's guys I'd put him up against. Then, obviously, you can't put him like, up against Katie's of the world. Yeah. So, that's where I'm like, Donovan Mitchell, I, I like the idea of him. I like just to inquire about him, see what they're asking. You don't necessarily have to go out there and pull the trigger on him because if the asking price is too much, just walk away, realize you have 60 mil, and you don't necessarily have to spend it all in one offseason either. So that, that's just the other thing I'm going to get at. But I want to move into a question where what is Isaiah Stewart's future with the team after this season? I'll start with this one, and I think there is no future of him with this team. I think he's probably the odd man out. I think they're going to realize Killian's a bust. He's a trade piece. Isaiah Stewart will probably be the other odd man out. And the only guy from that original draft that will still be around will be Sadiq Bay. I think that the problem with him is that there's now you drafted Dern. What's the role here? Like power forward. If he can shoot the three ball this year, well. I'm looking to keeping him around as a sixth, seventh, eighth man, but I don't see that happening. I see it kind of just being an experiment that's going to bust like that, like Andre Drummond three point thing that just completely busted a few years back. I, I see the same thing with Stewart. I don't know. I don't like him shooting the ball a lot. I didn't see him make a whole lot of jumpers last year. And I just feel like you're forcing him to play a role that he's not comfortable in playing. And I think they're going to realize that very, very quickly that he can't play the four. And I get it. We watched the summer league and he was balling out at the four. But he was playing against guys who aren't NBA players. Most of them, at least. 
Both of those guys have probably never touched the floor and played a meaningful minute of basketball. The only guy on that floor it really was was Stewart, and he hadn't really played a meaningful minute of basketball yet in his career either. So, to be honest with you, I don't like it. I've hated it from the beginning of the offseason, and I think they're forcing the player role that he's not comfortable in playing, and he's going to be an odd man out this offseason when he really shouldn't be. But I want to hear your thoughts on him. What's your thoughts? So, I mean, Isaiah Stewart, you know, when we first got him, like, everyone was loving the idea out of Detroit, you know. Like, he was basically the reincarnation of Ben Wallace, modern day. Small is a center who's small, but he plays big. He has somewhat of a jump shot, you know. He's not no, like, knockdown shooter, you know. Not no stretch, not no, like, Tobias Harris stretch for if he were to play that role. But, like, I feel like now in this point, in this, like, in the league, like, he would have to move to that four if anything was possible. And, like, you know, we're already all, like, contested and, like, congested inside of, like, the middle, uh, the down low and stuff. So, like, he would, like, if he were to stay with us, I think he'd have to have some sort of six or seven nine holes as well, you know. And, like, if we were to do that, if we're actually going to spend time with this guy, then we have to actually, like, upgrade his game and his whole overall play style. And this is all hypothetical, you know. Like, I feel like this is the only way we would actually need him and, you know, incorporate him into this offense. Otherwise, I feel like we're wasting his time. You know, he would have to be able to go from three to five, play all those positions. You know, if he's, like, they tried doing, like, a, uh, a Montrez Harold sort of thing with it. Montrez Harold, these kind of guys, these small ball centers, like, they were good backups on, like, certain teams, whether it was um, Washington or Charlotte or uh, the Clippers, too, whatever it was. I feel like Isaiah would have to do that kind of roll with it but if he's able to expand this game where he could actually handle the ball in some sort of way as you said you know like he was shooting pretty good in the summer league but like those guys haven't touched like an actual basketball court you know like NBA wise like nothing meaningful so like can't really judge upon that um that's that's really what's gonna have to happen Isaiah Stewart he's gonna have to really expand his game if he wants a future with us otherwise we're wasting our time along with his time and his prime you know so that's really what's going to happen. If we can't do that with him, then we might as well ship him off in some extravagant trade package or something. So I agree with you on all that, but I think you just paid Marvin Bagley $13 million to pretty much play the same role as him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my problem is now you got Dern, you got Bagley, you got Stewart. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to sign a big time power forward. I feel like this off season or convert city Bay into a full-time power forward. Which one do you, which one do you do that's to be seen but the power forward position clearly needs to be filled this offseason with a real starter not with Isaiah Stewart now let's say Stu comes in and I'm wrong and I really hope I am that he comes in has a great year looks like a serviceable power forward you can convert him into a Montrez Herald type role I just don't personally see it you're just playing to his weakness which is shooting the ball I think he's more dominant down low than he is telling him to go outside and shoot that's my honest opinion on it. I get it. You have to do it. You paid ba- You overpaid Bagley, and that's my next question for you is, did the Pistons overpay for Marvin Bagley? I 100% think they did, but I'm going to let you go first because I know you're shaking your head no. So let's see what you say. Yeah, no, I definitely have a major counterclaim with that one. Marvin Bagley, money bag, bro, that's my guy. Man. I'm so happy we did that. I'm so happy we pulled him off and brought him here. I think he deserves the money, man. We didn't really spend it on much. We just got one-year veterans from New York, all their players. So, like, you know, if we were going to spend the money, I feel like he would be the guy to do it, especially with an extension too. 
And like you saw, he was putting up some double doubles even with Beef Stew on the court uh, during the second half of the season last year. Um, he's a player that he's he's what from six nine to six eleven shoes without shoes. I don't know how the league does it now, but he's up there, you know, just under a seven footer. And if he could play the four, like those kinds of talents are like pretty like rare. Like now, like that's the prototype for your like NBA stud, seven footer that could do basically anything and everything. You know, a demigod. I feel like if we actually spend time with this guy and, like, if we're able to bring players, we want him to, like, manipulate and stuff. Like, I know Rashid Wallace is off the table, but someone of that caliber, someone of that style, you know, back in the day or now, whatever it is, he would be a perfect mentor. And, like, as long as he gets that proper coaching, he would be so worth it because I feel like he's, like, a three-way scorer. And, you know, his defense isn't the best, but, like, if you're that big and that long, then, you know, if you're just sitting in the middle, you'll be chilling. Plus, if we do play him at power forward, we're going to have, like, you know, like a, a twins tower kind of combo dynamic. It's going to be the Gucci version of Greg Monroe and Andre Drummond, you know, not the dollar store where that they were, if we're able to get someone like Duran or something. I know it's a little confusing with it, but, like, I feel like those two could be a one-two punch combo, not keeping Isaiah Stewart. I think Marvin Bagley is definitely worth that investment. Um and I think he's going to definitely compliment this whole team as uh, everyone matures. Okay. This is what I'll say on record right now. I don't have a problem with Marvin Bagley as a player. I have a problem with that you were bidding against absolutely nobody. Who are you bidding against? All you gave up was Trey Lyles and Josh Jackson. You just paid the guy $13 million. You could have wrote him a $7 million check and he would have said, yep, I'll be happy to come and play for Detroit because you're the only team that's going to offer me money because we're the only team that had any interest in him. Give up nothing for him. I mean, he played good. I, mean, was no, I don't have any issue with him. Now, if there was a mystery buyer out there, I would have been like, okay, you know, pay him the 13 mil and call it a day. Who's the mystery buyer? You know, I, I get it. Like, I, I love your points. He, he will probably be a very solid power forward center. Now, while I was giving you that look about the Greg Monroe Drummond thing is, I think the league has moved past the Twin Towers. I think that was so like 2000s and early 2010s where we've moved past that to we need to have four shooters and a guy in the paint that's going to swoop up every board and can shoot a little bit. Now, that that's why I'm not a big fan of Stewart playing the floor right now is because I just feel like you're going to be forced to clog up the paint a lot. And with Ivy, who's not the greatest jump shooters. That's why I just like, who are you bidding against? You know, who? That's where I'm at. That's the point I'm at right now is I don't think it was anything against um, him as a player, nothing against him as being a player on this team in the future because I have no issue with it. I just have the issue with the price. $13 million, that's a lot of money for a backup center power forward. That's a lot. And I get it, like basketball money is becoming different. It's a different type of money than it was five years ago, 10 years ago. But 13 mil for a backup center a year is not ideal for me. And I, I don't know if you can really argue that. Um, I mean, yeah, he, he could end up being like 13 and 10. Very possible. I could see it. If he continues to work with this team, work with this coaching staff, work with Cade, work with Ivy, maybe this is what he needed was just a change of scenery the entire time. And this contract ends up being a steel contract. I don't think that's really the case here. I think we just really just wanted to lock him up and we did for a little too much. 
That's just my honest opinion. You locked him up for too much money. You got worried that somebody was going to swoop in and guide him and nobody was, was going to do it. And that's just my honest opinion. But I want to move on to one last question here for the day. And it was a question you brought up to me. And it is, is Hamadou Diallo a long-term piece? I'll let you go first this time. Uh, Hamadou Diallo, he's someone like we were able to get him uh, like really cheap too. He was a very, like a very low key player under the radar. Like people who really like knew the NBA and knew like he has talent. And when we got him, everyone was kind of confused. I personally had him on my IL in fantasy and I'm like, this is insane. We just got this guy's a beast, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so like when we actually got him, like, I mean, last year we saw this when everyone was out with COVID, this guy was him and Sadiq were going crazy, man, getting 30 plus points. Uh, and those couple, you know, a little time frame they had it was a week, two weeks, whatever it was, he was popping off. And like, he could definitely be that, that fresh, that fresh breath or that fresh, you know, set of energy, whatever it is off the bench for like a sixth man, even like seventh with it, you know, it could be like if Sadiq's going to have to get subbed out or if whoever power forward is get subbed out, we can move everyone down. Omni could jump in. It'll be a smaller lineup. Sure. But like, I think he's definitely worth that investment. Um, He's someone that we should definitely hold on to is if got like, you know, forbid anything were to happen to any of our like core players, he could be like, he's perfect to insert into the lineup, you know, like whether it's Cade who has to sit out or Ivy, you just put the other one in the guard, like the point guard position, throw him at shooting guard, even small forward. He's what, six, four, but he could definitely run those. And, um, you know, he plays like he plays bigger than what he actually is. So I think he's definitely worth that investment, uh, especially in the long term. And who knows? Anything could happen. Let's say four years, five years from now, whatever it is, like maybe like may not need him, but like as of now, at least for the short term future, definitely worth it. Might not sign to no like fat contract, but you know, I, I would pay the guy. You know, he's definitely deserved it. So, I'd like to see what you think, though. All right. So this is my opinion. I think the thing about Hami is, I think he's your best trade asset where we know what Hami's going to be is what he is right now. Very athletic guard, shifty, gets to the lane, bang on your head. Pretty solid defender, very lengthy kid. That's about what he is. I think that's a fair judgment of him. We know that he's not going to put up more than 11 points per game at any point in his career. And we know that he's probably just a good bench player that will make your team much better if you're trying to win a title. But... If you're the Pistons, he's your safest pick, safest option to trade because you know what he's going to be already. You know, do you need that on your rosters? The first question that Troy Weaver should be asking himself. If you need that 11-point-per-game guy off your bench, go for it. If you think you can upgrade that in the draft, you think you can upgrade that in a trade to get a superstar, do everything you can to trade him. Give him as much play time and run as possible this year. That's what I think they should do. That's your asset to trade off. Him, Norland Noel, and Alec Burke should be getting a lot of play time to start the season. Not all season. I'd love to see the young players start working their way back into the rotation. But at least to start the season, you got those guys as your trade pieces. Use them to get traded. Don't have them just sit on the bench. I know a lot of people are going to be screaming about that. Like, you want to play Dern, you want to play Dern, you want to play Cade, you want to play Ivy a ton of minutes, but you also want to get rid of some of these guys and boost your future as well. 
And that's why I think Hami should have a lot of minutes this year just to boost his value up and see if you think he's a long-term piece, lock him up this offseason, two, three years. He's not going to be an expensive long-term player. But if you don't think he's a long-term piece or you think you can flip him for a superstar, do everything you can to trade him at deadline. That's my opinion on him. But with that, I'm going to conclude this episode. Thanks for coming on again. Matt's going to come on next time. We're going to have a great, more animated debate style because you know how Matt and I get at each other. So Pistons episode will be coming out in a couple weeks again. Back to normal episodes tomorrow. Maybe a Lions special tomorrow, Wednesday or Friday, but we're looking at a Michigan, Michigan State football episode Friday. And Wednesday will be a normal episode and potentially tomorrow will be more Lions talk um, and more focused around potentially other teams. So thanks again for coming on and see you guys tomorrow. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Easy.